there's going to be plenty of time to interact today. So you guys ready to get started? Let's put on the thinking caps. And we're going to review what we've learned, okay? We're going to review what we've learned. So I got a suggestion last week that I write a, a little caption for these icons so that you can remember what they are. and doesn't leave right interpretation. So I thought that was a great suggestion. So the heart icon is, is, is not just about love. It's about literally our hearts. If I redid that, I'd probably put like a real organic-looking heart in it, but that wouldn't say it either. We must begin to trust... Jesus in our hearts. That's what that means. Okay, because there's, there's, in, under the old ways and under the old covenant, before the Lord replaced hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. See that air conditioner's working like a charm now. Um, you know, there's even proverbs that say a fool trusts in his heart. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit has made space in our hearts for Jesus to dwell. That's what it says in Ephesians. And, and we have to learn to trust it because the enemy will try to persuade us to not trust our heart. And as such, we become dull to the voice of the Lord. doesn't mean that our heart can't still house bad things. What did I just do? doesn't mean that our heart can't still house bad things. But it does mean that God has chosen to make it his dwelling place. And the place where we relate to him, uh, our heart is really our, our life. The next one is the little stop sign. And it has to do with his wrath, and it's about the fact that his wrath is designed to protect our destiny. By his wrath being revealed against all unrighteousness of people who want to hold the truth in unrighteousness, in, in a lie, you and I would dumb down heaven if we could to make room for our proclivity to sin, for the hard things we don't want to deal with. I'm not making that as an accusation. I'm just saying it as a as an observation. We would ask God, well, this isn't giving me that much trouble. Can I, can I get in without that? You know, it's not a matter of works. It's a matter of the fact that God's wrath leans against all unrighteousness. It says it's revealed against all unrighteousness, including my own. Blood-bought, Jesus-loved, Jesus-loving guy. And I found it to be a protection against my own temptation to compromise. God is going we're, to... We're all going to stand before the Lord someday. And without putting on a weird filter or without... Uh, faking his vision, he's going to look at you and me and he's going to go, I love you and I find nothing wrong with you. That's because his work in setting us free from that stuff is the work of a relentless father. Okay? That's what that one means. Time is an ally because it comes from Jesus. That's what we learned in Hebrews uh, 1, 1 and 2, that he made the ages. And so all the stuff that Jesus sees is and does, all the redemptive stuff, that's what we mean when we say this. Time is coming at us with a chance to, to, to grow. Time is coming at us. It's the author of, of second chances. It's the author of all this kind of stuff. So we don't need to fear it. It's an ally. It's an ally. The next one has this little uh, dynamic trinity symbol in the middle of it. Jesus reveals God completely, meaning there's never a God behind Jesus to fear. He's not going to spring out a new personality trait. He's not going to adopt misunderstandings of him that were manifest in Old Testament culture. Uh, you know, you've got you, a great way to think about that without making you sketchy about the Bible, because the Bible's cool and it's what we lean on to know what we know. But uh, Job's friends, they were God-fearing people. And they all sat around and they gave Job a bunch of advice saying, this is what's happening, this is why, and it wasn't true. That's because they were folks. 
in, you know, we know in part. So Jesus, on the other hand, has completely revealed him. And so if you are uh, struggling with a concept of God that you can't find in Jesus, it's probably okay to go, Papa, is this really who you are? Because Jesus has revealed him completely. The next one is that we're made complete in him. We're going to look at a scripture that says something to that effect today. Um, that means that we were made complete. We're operating out of a position of being whole and united with God. We're still carrying the blindness and the deception that the world has thrown at us, and there's still an enemy accusing you day and night. That's what he eventually gets sent uh, into, into judgment for. But we are made complete in him, and there's a lot of implications of that if we begin to act on it. This is our, our kind of ascension symbol in Jesus, we actually have access to heaven. Paul said, uh, you know, that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus said, Father, I would that they would be with me where I am. And uh, we know that he ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So this is something that we're learning, and we're learning a lot more about. We have access to heaven. This is that little complicated symbol, uh, but that Jesus himself is the word of God. And as weird as it was, uh, uh, sounded at first, I'm asking you guys to reserve the title of the Word of God, not for the Bible. Call it the Bible. Call it the Scriptures. Call it the words of God. Call it all the things that it calls itself. But the Word of God, the the the, uh, or the uh, Logos Theon, that is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And if we can just realize that the mind and the heart of the Father is revealed through Jesus... And that when we're reading the scripture and when we're encountering the logos of God, it's coming as a revelation of the mind of Father through Jesus. And then the last one is uh, our friend Diane Hellman, and it's that we can live intimately as sons of God. Okay? So those are what the icons mean. And they're more than icons in a way. They really are some fundamental principles about how to live. Okay? So let's begin to use these to overcome fear. Fear is important because, this is a little bit of a review from our first session, fear is important because it's the root of alienation, sin, and undermines trust in God subjects us to slavery and robs us of the experience of the love of a good papa and the love of one another. Okay? Actually, fear is important to overcome because of all these things. And it doesn't just rob us of the experience. It robs us of a positive experience. There's a lot of people that have a fearfully oriented experience with God. And it completely misrepresents the Father. Make sense? So, here come our things again. Trust them. His wrath is for us. Time is coming in, in our favor. Jesus completely reveals God. We were made complete in him. In Jesus, we have access to heaven. Jesus is the word of God. And we can live intimately as sons today. So we're going to go on and now try to apply this. So let's. we learned about this last week. Here's the mics. You guys are ready to come up and help me. Uh, so fear, in one sense, equals bondage or slavery versus freedom. And we looked at this passage in short last week. But uh, anybody want to step up and read it? Thanks, Jason. For since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might, fr and might free those who through fear and death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like 
his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Okay, so last week we talked about this. Somebody, uh, stay there, Jason, for a second, and then somebody else man the other mic for me that, that wants to help us uh, outline this. Okay, so this first part we talked about, since the children shared in flesh and blood, he himself likewise is the same, all the way down to the fact that uh, um, we've been subject to slavery our whole lives. So here's our icons. If you were here last week, you know what we're going to do. All right. Which of these help us understand parts of this properly? Yes, Ronnie. We are made complete in Jesus. All right. Fourth over. Fifth over. Fifth line? Oh, we're in this text. Yeah. I don't know. It just sounded good. I just read all things. He might become. Yeah, there's the doubt. He gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Okay. It's right in the middle. There's one. Okay, so this has to do with this idea of him being complete in us. It also has to do with the idea of this leaning against our our willingness Hmm. to compromise. Go ahead. I was just saying I wasn't here last week, so I'm oh, gotcha. Okay. The game. Josh standing up. He's ready to tackle Mike here in just a second. (laughs) Anything, Jason? Mm. So here's some. How about the wrath can also go... Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's good. Where's his power over death? He might render powerless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That part of it... See, because this isn't just a closing our eyes and hoping that it's going to be okay. It really is the whole system of and the whole economy of God working in our favor. So that could go there. That's a big part of it. That's a part of this, being complete in us. Um, this is why, okay, that through death he might render powerless, he might have the power of death, and, and might uh, free those who the fear of death, free those who the fear of death, okay? So this is living as a son. We're free to live without that kind of condemnation stuff now. Anything else? He Y'all is, are welcome to step up the mic. He himself was tempted in which he has suffered, etc. Can here? Be, um, him in our hearts, basically. Because he was tempted, we can pull upon that value that's in our heart now. Okay, so he brought this victory into this capacity of living in us. Right. I got it? Okay. I would say verse 15, time is an ally. Because we don't have to fear death. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. See what I'm saying? There's the time travel. Okay, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you how we live. There's the time travel. Yeah, how, how we live on the basis of these things. They're not just uh, little teaching things. They help us understand the truth. All right, so Jesus overcomes the slavery through what he did and through doing it with us, through being here to help us. Um, that hard, the temptation. hard thing also is he became... Uh, where did he go? 17. Like, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren. 
So that in all things. Might, that he may, might become merciful and faithful high priest. Right. So we let can me, count on him in our hearts. Absolutely. And let, let me add something else to that. Because then it goes on down here that he also became, because of that, a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. So in this, we see we see him representing the Father accurately as our high priest. Remember he said, only uh, I only do what I see the Father doing, and these words are not my own. So when Jesus, when you think of Jesus acting as a priest towards you, understand that he is doing the will of the Father for you. That is what the, the Father wants you to be free. The Father wants me to be free. Yes, Meg? The last, the last part there, uh, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's a time thing, uh, but it's also... We are made complete in Jesus. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're not facing life alone. Okay, let's do the next one. Fear also leads to a sense of alienation, rejection, and punishment. Uh, go ahead, Ronnie. You want to read it? All right. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whether Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is none. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Okay, so I just want to point out the first two to get the ball rolling. Uh, it's the Father that sent the Son. One of the big things that we can learn by this, this absolute representation of Jesus is that not only is Jesus on your side, so is the Father, so is the Spirit, so is God. The only God that exists, the God that spoke things into existence, the God that's going to bring them all into line and judgment in the end. He's for us. This was his plan. He didn't react to the fall. He always intended for us to be included, and he always intended us to be included in his son. He says that plainly, that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So this whole idea of God rescuing a bunch of sinners, he did that. But that, that was not the origination of the plan. God didn't make the world stick Adam and Eve in the garden and then become utterly shocked when sin came in. From before there was ever that, he knew how to get through this. He knew what he was going to do. Uh, also, as he is in this world, so are we. We have to start taking these realities seriously because we are made complete in him. Okay? Yeah, Ronnie. God abides in us, first line. Mm -hmm. That's the heart. 
Okay, how about this? Let's connect this one with this. No one has seen God at any time. All right? What does that mean? This this reveals that the sanctity of God, the otherness of God, the bigness, the specialness, yeah, it's true. But it doesn't create a separation. Just because God is of a stuff that we can't see with our eyes doesn't mean that he's not with us, and it doesn't mean that that both his will in Christ is a part of this and us being complete in Christ is a part of this. Heart. Over here, yeah, that's right, he lives in us. That's exactly the point. This is John's version of what Paul said in Colossians about him dwelling in us. There's also, there is no fear in love, so if we trust that God's wrath... Where's that? Uh, There is no fear in love? How about this one? Yeah, exactly. Then God's wrath is for us. 16, 17, and 18 are all about his wrath. They are. They are. Yeah, absolutely. And if if you take issue, which I would not begrudge anybody in here doing, if you take issue with, with being cavalier or flip about the wrath of God, this is the passage that I would say at least join it Join in thinking about it. Fear involves punishment. See, like we, Jesus walked along one day with people and he said, uh, the Father judges no one. I don't know why we don't give that more more uh, weight in the scripture. It's right out of the mouth of Jesus. You know what I mean? But so this is where it is. It's all, about, it's all around love. It's all around the perfect design of the Father. The Father has sent the Son. Uh, yeah, Richard, did you have something? Yeah, um, we have access to heaven because he has given us his spirit. Absolutely. The spirit, uh, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll bring to mind all that I said to you. You know, all that kind of stuff. Okay? I have a, I have something kind of offline, but but here at the same time, Larry, I'm really curious to hear your feedback on this thing. Okay. So fear to me, so it says there's so many verses, fear is not of God, not of God, not of God, but yeah. fear terrible, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and we know that God uses different things for his purposes, including demons and whatnot. So um, within that, I just see fear, like so many times, at least in my personal life, God will activate more so a fear, like, like exacerbate it, make it bigger in, in, in life. Because he's trying to target something in my life okay. to burn off and, and to kill off. And for that to happen, it's almost like, I'm going to make this a bigger thing for you, Joshua. And then, boom, my world goes sideways and, and upside down because we're targeting this. Yeah. Because this will make you more like me and make you more holy at the end. Um, yes, no, maybe. Um, well, I wouldn't deny your experience, first of all. And second... I would think the only reason that would cause any of us in the room to kind of go, huh, I wonder if God really would, would God really use fear the way that I The difference to me is, does he come from the outside to put something on us, or does he operate from the inside to expose the very thing that's holding us back? And not both? And, it, and, and so if you're, if you're looking at something and you're reacting in a, in a very natural way, and God's on the outside trying to manipulate that reaction, that's an entirely different issue than if he's in you responding through what you're seeing to try to bring that thing to the place. Why why mutually exclusive? I don't like the idea of God using fear. I don't think he does that. So so you don't like the verses at all that say God uses evil 
for his purposes. Like, like whenever he talks about, you know, I, I use demons for my purposes. Like I use those types of things for his purposes. Let's, so I'm gonna have to I'll have to go back and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's yeah. a good point. So, it's a good point. But yeah, that, that's something that that I I've I've identified is is God. If he's God, he's able to to operate in the entire realm holistically, not just in one realm. God is perfect love. Right. Please talk into the microphone. With God being perfect love, I don't see how he can be love and fear at the same time. Okay, but wait, 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 wait. Let's just think about it for a second. Sure. And then we're going to, it's not a question we can solve today, but when there, I've got one of the sections that we're going through as we move forward. How can we fear God and fear not at the same time? So I will absolutely include a more detailed discussion about this in that one. But uh, we think we think dualistically all the time. We think like, this is over here, and this is over here, or this is up here, and this is down here. And uh, for perfect love to cast out fear, mm -hmm. it has to have an interaction with it. That's right. They have to interface in the same space somehow. I'm cool with them interfacing, but the origin of one, it sounds like that's what you were saying, is that God would bring more fear to make it a bigger deal. And, 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 and that, I think the bigger deal is already in you. He that's maybe, the, very, the very negative thing that's not going to be like accepted. I, I knew that yeah, when I brought that yeah, up. Okay. But that's, a, that's something right. that I'm like, would he do that? Would he bring something like that to the table if he knew such a situation would bring me closer to him to, to, to destroy something in my life? Would he huh, love me enough to bring me into that situation to use that to break me free of that? Well, that's where people would bring the idea of wrath. Okay. Well, maybe walk him in, though. And it could be the wrath could be the answer to some of the situation. I just think of a physical situation where Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley after uh, John, that, that discourse in John. He crossed the Kidron Valley, and all of this stuff came against him. And they had no power over him. But he, he you know, they said, he said, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus, now there. He said, I am. They fell back. <laughs> and is it too cold? I can turn it up. Um, <laughs> you like it? I'm like, where's the car? Okay, there you go. It'll, it'll go off in just a second. Uh, so so th this is a great question, and it isn't one that requires an immediate resolution to an answer. This is one of the things about asking questions. You know, this is one thing about... Huh? <laughs> yeah, we can discuss that on Tuesday or whatever. But we, no, we'll, we'll do it here. Because think about this. One of the things, one of the reasons that I love what we're doing at Joyland and one of the things I'm building training to you for and that I want you to help me is that we create a church culture where you can't ask a question, you can't deliver an answer for in 30 seconds with a proof text. And we need to think about this because if God is, okay, let me, let me use another thing. There's the concept of holiness in God that separates him from the unholiness of our lives. And therefore, that creates an idea of separation. Yeah, Riley. There's two people on Zoom, the Skinners and Jay have a handwriter. Okay, all right, cool. Well, then, for life. <laughs> sorry about that. I yeah, I tell you guys, I'm going to start yelling. You'll get across. We got you online. But anyhow, one of the things I've learned that's liberated me to go to God and learn these things and live with Him without a lot of um, angst about it is that the idea that God is a certain way and can't do a certain thing because whatever is just it's not cool it, it 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 limits our ability to even ask a question like you asked so i don't know the answer does god strike fear in people absolutely he does by his very nature from time to time mm -hmm. and we had that discussion a couple weeks ago if jesus manifests in this room right now 
some of us would be afraid. And, right. and, and you know it, and I'll prove it in just a second, because he has to say, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, right. don't be afraid. Uh, all right, all right, yes. Zoomers. <clears throat> Who's up? Okay, Janet. Got on mute. Hang on. How's that? You're on. Okay. So what I understand... It's okay. It's a big echo. It's really hard to talk through an echo. I don't know how to get rid of that. Is it gone? Yeah. We don't have an echo. It's good on okay. our end. It's good on our Can end. you hear also. me? Yeah. Oh, good. Echo's gone. Um, Just so what I think that. I understand, there's two things. Okay. Um, the wrath of God seems to be partnering with us against whatever is incomplete in us. Or contrary and, to his, his destiny for us, yeah. But to be complete in Christ, like practically looking at yourself, you say, well, I look like I'm incomplete, right? I've got this lacking and that lacking and so right. forth. But the Word says I'm complete. Right. The Word says I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm all these things, I'm seated in heavenly places. And what I think I've come to uh, conclude is that all of these things the Word says about me is something that I receive by faith because it's unseen. It's not evident to my physical world or my practical world, but it is a faith thing. It is something that's true by faith. And and I just wanted to share that or you know relate that to you all that I or talk about that, start a conversation about that that completeness. Uh -huh. You know what the word says about about us being complete in Christ, and then the element about wrath um, being God holy and completely against that sin or that thing that keeps us incomplete, and maybe that's part of that process of becoming complete. I think that's a good yeah. No, I think that's or, a good, or just getting good. rid of whatever's there that hinders. That's what the wrath of God is, right? Yep. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So, yes. And I think there's a process here that's being illustrated that we're trying to do by looking at Scripture in light of these truths, like the, you know, the wrath and the other icon. Um, it's obvious as we look at our lives that we know in part and we are living out this reality in part. But we are making progress. We're making progress because this is a real partnership and transformation is a real thing. And, and so if we, if we, there's no question about it being an act of faith and that we're supposed to believe that. For instance, Paul says concerning sin that we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin. But the reality is the wrath of God also is helping us to really be free from sin. Because when you feel free, you feel the pressure of God leaning against that as part of our identity. And so, uh, we can rejoice in, 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 in the truth of the scripture and in how God sees us. Absolutely. I think we, we need to. I think we must. But on the other hand, I don't want us to lose the expectation that we really are growing. 
that we really are day by day becoming more like Christ because we yield to this reality. And these things really are becoming true. Now, we are made complete. One of the things that we've been kicking around a lot on Tuesday night is, uh, is it possible for things to look different to God than they look to us? Well, of course it, it is, you know, because he sees things the way they really are. So he sees our completeness in a real complete form. We need to learn to see things like he sees them. And we are learning that. And we are learning that. And so, so faith is more than just imagining something's true that we don't think is true. Faith is believing into and beginning to participate with, but not from the outside in, from the inside right. out. From the inside out. Make from sense? Inside out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Jeremy and Amy, what do you guys got? You're good? Okay. All right. Uh, one last comment on this one, Ray. Uh, see, uh, fear is torment. And love is, has no fear. So you have to look at it. It says perfect love casts out all fear. Mm -hmm. And there is no fear in him. That's right. Period. Okay, so let's, let's assign this. And Janet, uh, keep, keep them up. Yeah. Uh, just a second. Your picture went down. I just need to see you so I can talk to you. It's here. Okay. So the, the part that we just looked at here where it says, so that we may have confidence. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. That's a time-related thing, too. And, and we'll close with this one. Let me, let me talk about this. So tell me if this makes sense. Uh, all right, let me just make a quick point, and then, uh, no, I would never cut Jen off. Jen's standing there very patiently. Uh, okay, think about this one. All right, all right, all right, all right just, just, just track with me for a second on the time thing. This is, this is what's going to give us a voice. This is what's going to give us confidence. We have a tendency to push judgment off way to the future, right? Unless a storm comes in and wipes out a town that's full of people we don't like, and then we call it present. Or in case we're trying to do good, and we really are, and we have a flat tire, and then we interpret that. The love of God from within our hearts pulls judgment into the moment. Judgment gets pulled into our lives. You see what I'm saying? So we don't have this fear way out there. That's what the whole wrath thing's about. We don't have this fear way out there. I, I don't have a, a fear anymore that I'm going to walk along and that the Lord's going to whisper some kind of, or the Spirit's going to whisper some kind of conviction to me over some of my thoughts or behaviors. And I'm going to ignore them the first two or three times and then He's going to give up. And in the end, I'm going to stand there and He's going to hit me on the head with a gavel and say, I told you. No. He loves me. He lives in me. And the things that would separate us, He will work on now. Now. And that's why love, I think, Janet, that's why faith, faith isn't something that we just have to try to have and then hope like crazy it's going to work. Faith is in Him. Put our faith in Him, in His love. You're in me. I don't feel like I, I'm abandoned to this thing. Does that make sense? And in okay. his word, what he says about us. Pardon me? And also have faith in what he says yeah. in his word about us. Absolutely. So yeah. there's this revelation of, of who we are and how he thinks about us. 
And we're in that and in that progress. That's how he sees us. And that, therefore, he can be in us. And, it, and here it says that we have come to know and to believe. That's where faith comes in. I'm not perfect. I know God knows I'm not perfect. But I know that my lack of perfection does not provoke rejection from God. It does not provoke punishment from God. It does not create alienation from God. It invites Him into my life to exercise His fatherly no and His passion against the things that will keep me out of it. We can trust being fathered into the vision that God has for us. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Jim. Richard. Real real quick, we love because he loved us. Uh, Diane. Absolutely. Absolutely. We loved. Thank you, Diane. Yes, Jim. I just want to make a comment in light of Joshua, what you brought up. I, I think that Fear in my life can certainly be highlighted within a circumstance, yeah. but I don't believe God imposes bad to create fear. Yeah, no. So that's that's all. Right. I just the felt like I needed to say that out there because yeah. there's a lot of bad doctrine that has taught us for years that God's the bad guy putting those things on you Onto, yeah, so that you right. can learn. Yeah. I would say that we're going to discover, Josh, that, that it's more along the lines, the world's full of opportunities for us to, to be attacked, to be assaulted, to be afraid, all this kind of stuff. Um, it's going to come a lot more that the Lord now, rather than shouting at us through, through words from a distance, saying, don't be afraid, and then expecting us like little six-year-olds to just muster up the, the, the courage to get over it, he gets in the middle of us and said, let's take a look at this. Let's get in and let's shine some light on this. Let's see how bad this thing can get and let me show you how big I am. Let me show how big you are. That kind of thing. I think that's what we're going to find. Yeah. Last one, Tim. Yeah, just a comment on, on fear, because I'm thinking of God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And right. I look at that and I say, no, wait a minute, there is a respectful fear. Uh-huh. We respect God. A lot of times that's referred to fearing God because we respect who he is in our lives. But I'm also thinking about, you know, if I'm on a boat and I see 20 sharks floating around, I'm not going to jump in for a swim. There you go. That would be a respectful fear that, hey, this is stupid. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do something stupid. So to me, yeah, he doesn't want us to have a fear that holds us back Correct. from being everything that he wants us to right. be. Right. But fear, and fear holds us back by painting a false picture. But Larry, one last thing. This has to come All right, up. go ahead, Ryan. I have overcome the world. And you had said, be of good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Yeah. And you're like, Okay, so what's that do for me? Right, I did say that in my past. Right. Well, and the point was, Jesus is in us, therefore that strength to overcome things is in me now, too. Right. Absolutely. Good. Very good. Okay, so here's the summary. We'll go back and catch the other instances of fear next week. Uh, Fear produces bondage. Fear summons a sense of alienation, rejection, and punishment. And the one we didn't cover is that fear threatens us to be alone and feeling confused and being vulnerable. Any of these bondage, alienation, rejection, punishment, uh, an excessive vulnerability, feeling confused, or feeling like we're alone, these are bad for our life. They do not allow us to live in confidence. But guess what? Jesus sets us free. We're already dead in him. 
We'll talk about these in detail next week. We are in Jesus and we've been brought near. Separation is a lie. You are not alone. You have never been alone and you will never be alone. That's the promise of God. Jesus lives in our hearts and he brings his fullness. So uh, he, he is not confused. He's not confused. Okay? We'll tackle some more fear next week. I do, uh, I do, no, actually, I do have something we have to do. Go ahead and close. Uh, you can't close. I have to do this. Okay, so here's, here's what I want you to think about. If you'd, if you'd like to stand up and make a declaration with me today, you can, but I want you to think about this. Just as Jesus was to the disciples that were hiding, afraid in the room, and to Mary outside the tomb, which we didn't cover those scriptures yet, Jesus himself in our midst, is the end of fear for you and I. So just think about that as we go, and we'll dig back into it next week. Jesus himself, in our midst, is the end of fear in our lives. That means that fear becomes something that we renounce. We don't try to talk ourselves out of, and we don't try to teach ourselves out of. We... We engage the relationship we have with the one through whom everything was made and who is worshipped by everything in heaven and on earth. And it becomes the end of fear. Yeah. 